Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Welcome to Rex Factor. This time, the Battle of the Queens, live! With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Hello. Hello. Uh, so this was the final night of mm. the Red Factor Tour in November 2018. We finished up in Scotland, which is nice because we'd uh, just finished doing our second series in Scotland. So it's yeah. good that we got to go and good that we got to finish there. At the 13th note, unlucky for some. Yeah, it's a very cool uh, pub again, that one. I think it's meant to be the sort of place that sort of new bands trying to oh, right. get them to the start. It was like a vegan. It was. Well, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, which was fine because we didn't eat in the end, did we? We tried no. to get some food. Oh, I got some chips. Yes. Oh, you'll probably hear all this on the diary. <laughs> um, uh, but oops, sorry. Yeah. So the final one, we're all geared up for a big finish. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to give away what's in the diary, but it was a inauspicious start. Mm. Uh, but it went really well. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, the Battle of the Queens. Mm. Uh, this one, Elizabeth I of England against Mary Queen of Scots. Are you going to go and watch the film? Probably should do. A lot of people have been asking us whether we're going to review A, Mary Queen of Scots, and B, The Favourite. I'd like to see The Favourite. I'm less keen on Mary Queen of Scots because I saw on Graham Norton last night, I it was on, um, the person who plays uh, Mary Queen of Scots Saoirse Ronan. said that they just inserted a meeting between Mary and Elizabeth. Yeah, they meet in the film. Which is like, if they had have met, I feel it would have changed everything. So... Yeah. <laughs> It's really put me off. Mm. Mind you, historical accuracy has never been a bugbear <laughs> of mine. <laughs> so maybe I'll see it. We've still not done uh, a review of Outlaw King, actually, have we? Yeah. That was the first thing we did after we got back, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We, we should try and uh, try and do that at some point and mm. fit in another, couple another of little film well. review. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I wasn't sure how this was going to go down, whether it would be a landslide for Mary because we're in Scotland or whether there'd be a mix of English and Scottish mm. people there. Maybe people would... Not everybody liked Mary in the Scottish years. Some sense. people loved her, some people didn't. Yeah. Um, so it was an episode about ginger women, and I managed to slip in another one, uh, unpopularly, Margaret Thatcher. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Was not. That not wasn't well the least popular reference that Isn't you it? made, though. There was another English leader that you referenced that got a proper boo. Oh, Edward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. They <laughs> they knew it was only <laughs> little Eddie. <laughs> Yeah, it was a great way to uh, finish the tour. Um, unfortunately, I had to, as you'll explain in the episode, I think, I had to go back to the Lake District that night, work from home, and then travel home at the end of the previous day because mm. I didn't have much holiday left. Mm. So didn't quite get to party out. Well, actually, no. Well, well it was all right, wasn't it? Decently late. No later, no earlier than any other night. Yeah. I instead uh, travelled home the next day. I, I thought this it won't take too long. Certainly... Only blighty. Uh, so had a lovely day looking around Glasgow itself. And then uh, travelled down to Dumfries for a spot of lunch. Ooh. 
Um, didn't have the tour diary on me, which is why I'm telling you this. <laughs> and then it took me 13 hours to get home. It was appalling. <laughs> um, I thought in the dead of night, I was crawling along at 40 miles an hour. Uh, but fortunately, some lovely person from the gig had given us lots of tonic tea cakes and caramel bars, uh, which were meant for you, but I ate them all. <laughs> 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 um, uh, oh, well, they're meant for both of us, I mean. But why, I didn't, why didn't you, like, stop with somebody somewhat, like, drive slightly quicker? To well, I thought that. Yeah. Sleep for a few hours and then... I thought about stopping in Birmingham because I have friends in Birmingham. But then by the time I got to Birmingham, mm. I thought, oh, I've done, broken the back of it. Mm. It's now just a hop, skip and a jump down the A14 and M11, which also had a load of roadworks on. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this is fascinating, isn't it? Some, <laughs> yeah. some uh, pr- old, fashion, old news of uh, traffic chat. Uh, so if you are travelling down the A14 <laughs> in late November 2018, be jolly careful. Uh, but I came home, a conquering hero, exhausted. So anyway, that was, uh, this is rather, the end of the tour. Um, Battle of the Queens, Elizabeth I of England against Mary Queen of Scots. And uh, after that, um, or after this, we will be getting ready for Series 3. Yeah. How are you doing on that? I'm doing a lot of work. In fact, this might come out about when we've already started recording. It may well, yeah. 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 Enjoy. Cheerio. You're in the 13th night, Glasgow. The time is 7 p.m. Give or take a number of minutes. You just checked that, didn't you? It's Rex Factor, live, with your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Hello! Ali just needs to uh, yeah. adjust himself. And Graham played havoc with my microphone yesterday. It kept slipping until I was right <laughs> down like this. So I'm going to make sure you haven't done it again. You all right? I'm all right, yeah. Well, thank you everyone so much to, to coming. This is, uh, is the last of the Rex Factor uh, live shows. This is the sixth date we've done. We've been uh, all across England. And this is the one and only show we're doing up in Scotland. So we're very excited to be here. And uh, it's going to be a bit of an England versus Scotland match today. So <laughs> we're, we're not sure to what extent this is going to be a home crowd for Mary or whether people have been travelling from lands afar to come and support <laughs> Elizabeth I. But we will see at the end how that does. But Ali, what is the theme of tonight's show? Tonight it is Mary Queen of Scots versus Elizabeth I. Both Rex Factor winners. Indeed. And what are we calling this? Uh, you'll have to remind me. <laughs> the, the Battle of the Queens! Every time I record an intro thing, I've always had to use my hands, uh, so I apologise in advance, it does get irritating. <laughs> and Ali may need help along the night in terms of remembering what comes when uh, in the... It's been the five show. nights, I've got it spot on. <laughs> well, you'll see. So what we're going to be doing is essentially a normal Rex Factor podcast episode. So we will be looking at Mary Queen of Scots and Elizabeth I, going through their life and reigns, and then looking at them factor by factor. 
But at the end of the episode, we are not going to be the ones deciding the winner. That will be your job. And we've got a very complex uh, form of voting, which uh, we'll explain to you at the end. But it's, uh, it's going to take quite a bit of working out, I think. <laughs> yeah, those cards. <laughs> yeah. Does everybody have a, uh, a card which is either red or green? Because we're not sure if Perfect. there are more people than we actually laid out cards for. There's spares if they're needed. Yeah, if you need one at the end, yeah. then just wave your hand and we'll, we'll get one out. Mm. Yeah, so what we are doing then, Mary Queen of Scots, Elizabeth I, at the end of that, when you voted and decided the winner, we'll also do a Q&A. So if you've got any questions that you want uh, to ask us about history or about anything else, just pop your hand up. Yep, and at the end, we'll be selling some T-shirts and hoping that we can catch as many of you as possible upstairs and get a drink and say hello. So it's just really great to finally meet some Rex fans rather than just talking to this, this fella <laughs> all the time. So it'd be great if we could meet you, as many of you as possible. So let's have a look then at Mary mm -hmm. Queen of Scots and Elizabeth I. Now, it's an interesting one. This is the first one of these we've done where they're actually contemporaries. So rather than always just doing one person and then the other person, we're going to do a little bit of a mixy-matchy situation. So, Ali, you might get confused okay. at times. Ready? <laughs> or perhaps more confused than would usually, usually <laughs> be no the case. There's no Douglases. No, I don't even mean Douglas. Malcolm's or David's. So all right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah, fine. So let's not joke about getting confused Ooh, about the Scottish yes. King's names when yeah, okay. actually <laughs> in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Great. So, first off, we'll have a quick overview of uh, the two monarchs. Elizabeth I, first of all, is the older of the two. She was born in 1533, uh, became queen in 1558 when she was 25 years old, whereas Mary, Queen of Scots, was born in 1542 and was just six days old when she became Queen of Scots. Youngest ever person from Rex Thatcher, Youngest isn't it? ever. Now, you've been talking about what you think is a sweet spot for when somebody <laughs> should become a monarch. We decided 21. Well, I did. Um, so, uh, but six days is a little young, uh, because then you've got all the problems of a minority and everything. But how old was Mary again? Did you say 25? Elizabeth was 25, <sighs> as I said. Might get a bit Not confused. Mary, yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah. Elizabeth is 25, Mary is six days old. Okay, all right, 25. So that's looking good, but great for Mary's longevity. She's got a great opportunity, mm. hasn't she? Elizabeth I, in terms of her appearance, is about five foot three. She's got a slender figure, auburn hair. Uh, very proud of her long fingers, apparently. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, she liked like to wear these... Salad fingers. Gloves. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> weird. Henry liked his calves, Elizabeth liked her fingers. Mm. Apparently a little bit of hook nose, though, Elizabeth. Okay. Well, great for picking it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, on the other hand, is very tall, nearly six foot, apparently. Wow. Which, uh, you know, even today is obviously pretty tall, but for the 16th century, that's an amazing height. Yeah. God, that's... So I'm about 5'11", that's my height. Indeed. Goodness. Sorry to any tall people, that's just quite a shock. Um, she is also, like Elizabeth, praised for having um, quite nice pale skin, considered a beautiful girl and indeed a beautiful woman. Elizabeth is handsome and receives a lot of flattery, but Mary is perhaps more of the natural yeah. beauty of the two. Um, so this is the time where they make themselves purposefully very pale-skinned, isn't yes, it? Yes, just throw on lots and lots of lead and uh, yeah. Ooh. make yourself look beautiful. That's good, but she had it naturally. Exactly, yeah. In terms of their personalities, Elizabeth, um, possibly the best educated woman in Europe at this time in history. Um, she was a very accomplished writer, dancer, poet, and she valued witty company because she tended to find administration quite boring. So yeah. she needed people to come along and tell her jokes while she did all of the, uh, <laughs> all of the signatures. Um, but she's also a very cautious woman. She's had quite a chaotic upbringing and she's not too easy to trust people. She tends to keep her cards quite close to her chest. Quite chaotic upbringing. Yes, as you yeah. said. See Henry VIII. Yeah. 
As for Mary, she's also got a pretty good education, not perhaps as the natural scholar that uh, Elizabeth is, but she also shares a love of riding and dancing. Uh, she's got a natural poise and charm, what we sort of always used to call the Clinton effect of that sort of sense that you're the most important person in the room. We maybe need a slightly more appropriate uh, yeah. example in the yeah, maybe. <laughs> current climate. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mary, perhaps a bit more fun and impulsive than Elizabeth. So as Elizabeth is quite a cautious character, Mary prefers to actually do something and get stuck in. Mm -hmm. So if she's mm -hmm. at a crossroads. Elizabeth is going to have a real long think about where to go. Mary is just going to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Okay, don't think, in. do it. Exactly. So let's have a look at their life and reigns. Biography. <laughs> He's, you're, you are learning quickly. One out of five. <laughs> The thing is, I recorded all those about 10 years ago <laughs> and have never heard them since. So it sounds like I've forgotten them. Well, I have forgotten them. But yeah, anyway. Biography. You've remembered now five days in a row or whatever it is. Yeah. It's all yeah. come in. So in terms of some backgroundy stuff, for England and Elizabeth I, we'd seen huge change during the reign of Henry VIII. We've got the break from Rome, uh, the founding of the new Church of England, and uh, obviously an awful lot of people's heads getting cut off. Mm -hmm. In Scotland, we have a succession of Jameses who tend to start very young, show a lot of promise, and then get killed in various inexplicable ways. So in both cases, we've got countries sort of on the verge of big change or going through big change, a lot of uncertainty, both in England and Scotland. And da, 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 I've already lost my notes. Yeah. <laughs> we usually cut this sort of thing. We yeah. have to remember that yeah. we're actually live. Yeah. Elizabeth was a bit of a disappointment to her father. He was hoping... Well, she was a woman. Well, exactly. He <laughs> was hoping for a boy. And uh, he'd gone to quite extensive lengths to ensure that he would get a boy by mm. uh, uh, Anne Boleyn. So when Elizabeth turns out to be a boy without a winkle, a bit of a disappointment yeah. for mm. old Henry. Um, nevertheless, she has initially quite uh, a happy upbringing, right up until the point in 1536 when Henry cuts off her mother's head <laughs> and declares her illegitimate. So she does get sort of restored to the line of succession in 1544, but she's nevertheless not entirely certain of her place in the world. Mm. Her brother was a Protestant when he became king after Henry's death, and he makes lots and lots of incredibly strong arch-Protestant reforms. But then when he dies and the next sister, well, the first sister, Mary Queen, Mary <laughs> the First, not Mary Queen of Scots, I'm getting like you now, no, I'm confusing no. all the I names. It's, it's spreading. Mary is an arch-Catholic, so she sends everything back in the opposite direction. And Elizabeth is a bit more of a moderate Protestant, really. So for her, she's got to try and weave her way through this maze of quite religious upheaval and change. It's been very difficult for uh, Elizabeth, and she actually gets imprisoned by her sister at one point in the Tower of London when Mary thinks that she is plotting against her. So Elizabeth is really struggling to stay afloat. Mm -hmm. Mary, on the other hand, seems to have a much stronger position in her early years. Um, Philip II of Spain had actually been quite important in saving Elizabeth from uh, her own sister Mary, and Philip was married to Mary, but he wants to keep Elizabeth alive because he's worried about the threat from France. They've got a very powerful king in the form of Henri II, and Mary, Queen of Scots, because of Henry VIII trying to invade and bring her down to England, is sent to the French court and is actually married to the Dauphin, the son of the French king. So Mary, Queen of Scots, gets brought up at the lovely French court and is going to become the Queen of Consort of France. So we've got Mary, really, really powerful, Queen of Scots, mm. Queen of France, Elizabeth, Tower of London struggling to stay alive. But wh why would the Spanish look to protect Elizabeth if she was a Protestant? And surely that's good, isn't it? If uh, Mary is Catholic and 
Ah, but Mary is with the French, and the Spanish want to maintain the uh, the balance of power. Okay, so, so in the Spanish the... eyes, mm. being <laughs> being a Protestant isn't as bad as being French. Exactly. Okay, fine. <laughs> cool. It's very much a hierarchy of evilness. So 1559, Mary does actually become Queen Consort of France, and um, she does also have a pretty good claim to the English throne because of her Stuart uh, background mm. and is ultimately descended from Henry VII. So Mary is Queen of Scots, Queen of France, and she's also got a decent claim to be Queen of England. That's amazing, isn't it? She could have formed this sort of uh, North Sea Empire. Yeah. Would have been amazing. Oh, hello. <laughs> Sound effects. Oh, no, that is upstairs. I thought that was you. <laughs> <laughs> However, Elizabeth does start to get some luck. Thankfully, her sister, Mary I, dies Yay. in 1558. So Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth becomes queen. And the first thing she does, pretty much, is to appoint William Cecil as her principal secretary. He is a, a strong Protestant, a very effective administrator, and he's also a very significant influence on both of their reigns. Because mm -hmm. he sees Mary, Queen of Scots, as the biggest threat to Elizabeth's security. I remember this. He hates her. He, he really does. He, he's sort of setting out right from the start to kill her. Or Pretty have much. her killed. Pretty Not, much, you know, yeah. Yeah, okay. So even if at this point Elizabeth is umming and ahhing, she's got her main person behind the scenes definitely pushing to get... Right. Mm. Got it. It's not looking good. First of all, though, Elizabeth has got to sort out the religious situation in England because we've had all the Protestant reforms, then the Catholic counter-reforms, so she's got to try and find a solution. So a year after she came to the throne, she manages to steer a bit more of a middle course. Um, it was a difficult thing to do because a lot of the bishops in the House of Lords are still Catholic, whereas she wants to introduce more Protestant regime. What she does is have uh, a thing called the Act of Uniformity, which requires outward conformity with all of the laws, but she doesn't want to, as she put it, put windows into men's souls. This is brilliant. That's uh, so, so tolerant after 100 years of intolerance and mm. burnings and head choppings. It's lovely. It's, it's very nice, exactly. And it goes well? Well, it goes quite well for a time, but as we shall see, there's a certain uh, Catholic complication that gets thrown into the mix uh -oh. later on. Right. Ready. Mm. Um, ironically, for Mary at this point, things start to go rather less well. Mm. A Calvinist man called John Knox returns to Scotland. <laughs> Hello to John Knox fans in the audience. who's <laughs> was not expecting a whoop there. Was he the guy that, that I really took against? He was, he was the equivalent of a Dunstan. He was your Scottish Dunstan. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he comes to Scotland, goes back to Scotland, and ins uh, inspires a Protestant uprising. Um, as such, William Cecil thinks this is a great opportunity to try and intervene in Scotland and persuades Elizabeth to send English troops to help out with the Protestants. Sure enough, they are successful. There's a Protestant Reformation. Mass is abolished. The Pope's authority is denied. Scotland has now become a Protestant country. Okay, how much was that uh, as a result of the Reformation in England? Uh, well, it's very important, the Reformation in England, but it's particularly the fact that William Cecil sends English troops to help out the Protestants in Scotland to help ensure victory there. Okay, so it was just stuff that was going on all around Europe, like Flanders particularly, and mm. it was just, okay, yeah, good. And as a result of this, in 1560, we Sorry. have the Treaty of Edinburgh, where William Cecil negotiates a peace between England, France, and Scotland. And key to a term of this is that the French are going to get out of Scotland, and Mary is not going to be considered Queen of England, which the French had previously been advocating. So, but wasn't this, wouldn't have those terms been done with Mary? Because she was Queen of 
France and Queen of Scotland. Yes, but her husband and, and indeed Mary herself are both under 18 at this point. Oh, okay, right, fine. So yep. it's a bit mm. of a regency situation where other people are making the decisions. Oh, dear. Okay, so she's having her power stripped from England, but still going to be Queen of Scotland? Still is Queen of Scots and is still uh, Queen of Queen Consort of France, okay. but she refuses to ratify the treaty when later required to do so. Cool. And uh, William Cecil thinks that this is proof, if proof were needed, that Mary is a direct threat that needs to be dealt with. But at this point, uh, and indeed all of her life, Elizabeth never had an heir, so is that not just, you know, putting your hat in the ring, not, not necessarily violently, not well, throwing it in there? Well, it's not that he was trying to make Mary pretend that she wasn't a claimant to the English throne at some point in the future. Mary was saying that she was the Queen oh, of England. Oh, OK, right. Yeah, that's, that's worse. That is a bit mm. more of a challenge yeah, yeah, yeah. to the that's, current monarch. Yeah, that's throwing it in her face. Unfortunately, things get a bit worse at this point for Mary. Um, Henri II died in 1559, which did mean that she became Queen Consort, but she then lost quite a powerful mm. uh, person in her corner. But then in 1560, not only did we have the Scottish Reformation, we also have the death of her mother, who had been fighting her cause in Scotland, mm. and the death of her husband, the King of France. In how many months was that? Well, it's all, it was all just in 1560. Oh, God. Oh, woman. The year before. So suddenly, from being in this incredible strong position, she is now going to be sent back to Scotland that she's not been to since she was a child. Yeah. It's now a Protestant country, but uh -huh. she is Catholic. She doesn't really have any experience of ruling the country, and all of her wonderful, powerful positions mm. have suddenly been swept away. Does she speak English, or is she very French at this point? Well, she speaks Scots. Okay, I'm really <laughs> sorry. Okay. Which is like so English. So she speaks Scots, but do, it, it, if she were coming to, say, lovely Glasgow, would mm. she be considered more French than Scottish at this point? Uh, possibly, yes. Obviously, her cultural reference points are going to yeah. be French Okay. in many ways. It must be really tricky for her. It must be very tricky, but to be fair, she has a good go at sorting it out. Like Elizabeth, she is going to try and find a middle way with the religious question. So she accepts the Protestant Reformation. Scotland will stay as a Protestant country, but she agrees that she will get to continue to practice as a Catholic in private. That's fine then. Yeah. Well, right. End of episode. <laughs> End of the podcast. Yeah. What's the problem? Well, things get tricky, but initially they're not tricky, so let's okay. come right. to the tricky bit later. Mm -hmm. Initially, she's got this uh, balance. She is Catholic in private. The country is still Protestant. Her Privy Council has a mix of Protestants and Catholics, so she's trying to keep everybody on board yeah. and uh, you know, be a bit more moderate, despite John Knox being quite unhappy about things. She goes on a series of public tours and dazzles people, I suppose, with all of her dancing and fancy <laughs> French dresses and all that sort of thing. Yeah, brilliant twerking around the country. <laughs> Good. And, and she becomes quite popular because, you know, they've not seen somebody like this before. She's got this natural charm and poise to her, so yeah. actually it's quite fun. Yeah, brilliant. It's a nice period. And her priority as Queen of Scots is ultimately to become Queen of England. And thankfully, all of her Privy Council, whether they be Protestant or Catholic, share that ambition. Right. Because it's just a more power? Or do, is, this, is this a real belief of hers that she should be queen? Well, I mean, it's a belief of hers, but also, obviously, for everybody else, it's a power thing that mm. if you get to be ruling England and Scotland, that's a pretty strong position to be in. Okay. Dangerous game, though. Well, except she's accepted now that she's not going to unseat Elizabeth, so instead she wants to be recognised by Elizabeth as her successor. 
Mm. I, that, and has she got a point? Like, there's no other person that has a as strong a claim at this point. Yeah, so Mary's got a very strong claim. Elizabeth is the last of the Tudors, and she is not married, and she doesn't have any children. So by strict primogeniture, we have to go back to Elizabeth I's grandfather, Henry II, and his eldest daughter marries the King of Scots, James IV, and Mary, Queen of Scots, therefore... Is, yeah, it's the one. It's the next one. So after Elizabeth, by primogeniture, Mary, Queen of Scots, is the next in line to the English throne. But this is resisted because, firstly, she's Catholic. Yes. Secondly, a woman. Yes. Thirdly, Scottish. Yes. Where, <laughs> wh- what's the order of evils there? I think for Cecil, it's probably the Catholic element. Right. And he's the one that really is, is calling the shots behind the scenes. Exactly. So mm. he is going to be firmly opposed to any okay. form of agreement. But Elizabeth, although she doesn't really want to name an heir, is sympathetic. She does believe, regardless of religion, that actually there is a sort of divine right and blood and all that sort of thing. And Mary does have the best claim. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she's sympathetic, but Cecil's still adamant no. What's his, uh, Cecil's idea then? What's his plan? He's he'll very adamant, no, but, you know, <laughs> give us an option. Well, he'll want uh, a Protestant person to be taking the throne. So there are some Protestant claimants, they just don't have as good a claim as okay, Mary. Right. However, he can't stop it if Elizabeth wants it, and there is a planned meeting going to take place between Elizabeth and Mary at York in 1562. All the arrangements have been made, they're getting ready, they're presumably getting the hors d'oeuvres made and all the flowers and that sort <laughs> of thing. But then, unfortunately, Mary's uncles in France uh, massacre some Protestants. And the news of this is not received particularly well by William Cecil or Elizabeth I, and consequently the meeting is cancelled, and they never actually end up meeting. That could have been crucial, couldn't it? They could have ended up BFFs yeah. and just <laughs> been fine about it and like, gone on holiday and you know had a lovely time. But and why did they hold her responsible for this For this. Well, it's Murder. just bad poticals, uh, poticals, politics, isn't it? If yeah. her uncle has just massacred some Catholics, uh, massacred some Protestants, mm. and she is still a Catholic, and she's saying, oh, do you, do you think I could be queen one day? <laughs> but uh, did she publicly denounce the uncle's action? It's too late by that point. Oh, the fact okay. that it's happened right. is, is mm. enough. Yeah. All right. That's a shame. That could have gone really well. It is a shame. That could have been a big turning point, but it doesn't happen. However, the succession issue is a big problem in England because Elizabeth is still unmarried and the last Tudor. So mm. if she dies, regardless of whether there's an agreement with Mary, you know, it's not clear who is going to succeed her. And in 1562, that year, she does nearly die of smallpox and there's no unity amongst her councillors as to who should be king or queen after her. I, it's incredible to me that they would prefer chaos and anarchy and probably another war to mary it seems it seems okay yeah some people might not like it but she seems she's shown in scotland that she was going to be tolerant of other religions it just seems this one man's real crusade not to have her on the throne he's the problem this cecil chap well cecil thinks the problem is that elizabeth isn't married well, yeah, there's that as well. Yeah. And her councillors think this as well. So Parliament petitions Elizabeth to marry no less than three times, and even at one point are willing to accept her marrying her favourite, Robert Dudley, that usually they all are a bit suspicious about. Mm. But they're so desperate, they're pretty much saying, just anybody, marry, <laughs> produce an heir, and it will be fine. But Elizabeth does not want to marry. Right. Instead, Elizabeth has quite a surprising idea. She thinks that maybe they could solve all their problems if Mary... Queen of Scots will marry Elizabeth's favourite, Robert Dudley. She w- was she just having fun, like just testing them. Well, her her plan is that 
Her favourite will be loyal to her. Dudley will make sure that Mary doesn't do anything mean. But equally, that will allow Mary to be invested in the country. She will then be the heir, which Elizabeth thinks is probably fair if it has to be anybody. Right, so it's actually like a massive gift to Dudley that he will be effectively a king of England. Well, ultimately, she even has this slightly bizarre idea that Mary and Dudley will come and live at court with her so that I guess she still gets, you know... (laughs) Sounds like a Louis Theroux documentary to me. I don't like that at all. No. Mary, uh, understandably, is a bit dubious about what Elizabeth is really up to here. Yeah. And Dudley, surprisingly, the chance to be king is absolutely adamant that he doesn't want anything to do with it whatsoever. Oh, poor chap. I think he really did love her, didn't he? But he was it mur- did murder his wife. Or did oh. he? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh. that... I, I forgot about that. You've got the scandal yeah. bell. The scandal bell, no less. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Mary and Dudley never get married. So instead, Mary decides to do her own thing. At one point, she's looking at various suitors across Europe, and Elizabeth isn't too happy about this. So to distract her, she sends up a handsome young man called Lord Darnley. He's a bit of a Catholic sympathiser, but he's actually got a claim to the English and Scottish thrones as well. He's pretty much right behind Mary, actually, in the list. Mm. And uh, in a way, it worked in terms of distracting her, because Mary decided that she would actually marry Lord Darnley rather than anybody else, Mm. which was not what Elizabeth really had in mind. But that's if, if the ultimate aim is stability, that's great, isn't it? It's great for Mary and her claim to the English throne, but in terms of Elizabeth wanting to not have any rivals and people that are seen mm. as, you know, the dawn replacing uh, the uh, the sunset or whatever, mm. this is not great because you've now got the two next people with the most claim to her throne marrying. Yeah, okay. It's a bit of a threat. Mm. It's also not very popular in Scotland because a lot of the Protestant lords think that after Mary had, you know, been quite balanced and you know, not really being too Catholic, but accepting the Protestantism. Now, she's married a Catholic chap. Oh, what? So Darnley's Catholic? I presume he's Catholic sympathiser. Okay. I mean, to be honest, whichever way the wind blows, <laughs> he will probably go with it. Okay. But we do now see a bit more Catholicism happening at the Scottish court, and the Protestant nobles aren't very happy about it. They refuse to attend the wedding, and they actually raise a rebellion in 1565. Mm-hmm. But uh, they didn't have very much support, and they ultimately get chased out of the country by Mary. Oh, okay, good. Elizabeth did send some ships to help, but they were sent packing, and ultimately she has to give in. Sounds like a rubbish rebellion. It doesn't work very well. Yeah. Now, Mary actually falls quite seriously ill at one point, possibly even could have died. So she wrote to Elizabeth um, asking that the son that she now has with Darnley... Mm. If Mary dies, would Elizabeth raise this son as her own and acknowledge him as the heir to the thrones? Did Elizabeth read these letters or were they intercepted by... She did read this letter and she was very touched by it. Because she thinks, actually, this is quite a profound gesture and it does actually sort everybody out. Because Mary's saying, well, I'm going to die, so I'm not a problem anymore. Here's a little baby that has absolutely, you know, no indoctrination going on. You can have a son without having to do the whole rigmarole of marrying somebody and being pregnant. And then everybody's happy. We've got an heir. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, that's... Ri- and it also shows her motives, doesn't it? It sort of really lays her cards on the table. Yeah. That she's not going... She's trusting her with her son's life. Brilliant. But, well, exactly. So negotiations are about to reopen. And Mary's going to send some ambassadors down in England to sort it out. We are going to have the succession sorted. Yeah. But... But, unfortunately, at this point, Lord Darnley's house gets blown up. And... Uh, He's fine until somebody runs into the garden and smothers him with a pillow. (laughs) 
Mary had, uh, of course, popped out, having forgotten that she got oh, a wedding yeah. she needed to go yeah, to. Yeah. And then shortly later, marries the man, Earl Bothwell, who is suspected of having arranged the murder of her previous husband. Oh, I don't like that one bit. She must have uh, people sorting her diary out for her. Yeah. She would have known that was coming up, surely. <laughs> so if we assume that that's Mary, I'm going with that. Uh, why did she do that? Like, that's throwing everything... Everything was looking great. She's throwing all of the plans out. Well, Darnley is um, a bit of a jealous and sort of violent and pretty unpleasant chap. Nobody really likes him very much, and she probably is quite glad to be rid of him. But yeah. also, we've seen, we've had all these rebellions from people in the years before. There aren't many people she can trust, and Bothwell had previously been one of the very few who actually seemed to be in her corner. Right. But, and and Protestant, presumably, or is he... He's Protestant, yeah. Mm, okay. So it might not go down too, uh, too badly in England, because at least he's Protestant. It goes down very badly. Oh, okay. Right, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> because it's scandalous. She's married the man that everybody thinks has murdered her husband. And her husband, of course, does have a claim to the English and Scottish oh, thrones. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So okay, it's yeah. not just like Henry VIII, you know, bumping up his <laughs> wives. This is a chap that could be king of either country. But she has the perfect excuse because she was off twerking at a, uh, a wedding. At a wedding, yeah. Yeah, great. Unfortunately, that excuse doesn't really work. So consequently, there is another rebellion in Scotland. We have a standoff between Mary and Bothwell and then her opponents at Carberry Hill. But Mary intervenes to prevent the battle taking place and she negotiates that Bothwell will be allowed to escape and in return she will hand herself in. Hand herself in just... To, to her opponents, her Protestant opponents in Scotland. With the understanding that they would just look after she would no longer be king a uh, queen or anything well that there's the small text is not really specified right. at this point just have her in safekeeping yes mm -hmm. okay. unfortunately for mary that keeping is not particularly safe she is <laughs> imprisoned on uh loch levin and sadly miscarries her children by oh. presumably bothwell and then a few days later is made to abdicate in favor of her infant son who becomes james the sixth spoilers well, <laughs> <laughs> so Mary is no longer Queen of Scots, but she is not somebody to give up and be stopped by no. any detail like that. She manages dramatically to escape from the castle, get to her allies, and then raises a large army. And she's going to take uh, all of the key castles in Scotland, surround her enemies, and re-establish control. Brilliant. Okay, how does she escape? Is this the boat one? Yes, so she um, got a servant, presumably charmed him and then when he gets her onto one boat all the others have got holes in rose oh, across yeah, 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 yeah. nobody can chase Brilliant. her that's like edward first like all tour i've been trying to get in edward references just remember where we are not also very good yes yeah, so, <laughs> so not the, yeah. uh, oh dear. um uh so i've been trying to squeeze lots in but that's my first one um, possibly last. Possibly last. Possibly last podcast. Uh, tiring out all those horses and then running off on the last one. Yeah. It's a well-worn um, little ruse, that. Indeed. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't actually prison prison, was it? It was, like, presumably house arrest. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, nevertheless, she is out on the run. She's got an army. She's going to take back control. Unfortunately, on the way to taking back control, she is ambushed. Her commanders are a bit incompetent. She loses the battle, panics, and decides that her best hope, rather than regrouping in Scotland, is to go and be best chums with Elizabeth and ask her to help her get her throne back. So she crosses the border 
that comes to England. Yeah. I can sort of see that. Like, there w- if she does ever get to meet her, I think that would be fine. But it's just this Cecil chap in the way. There is that Cecil chap in the way. Mm. Elizabeth is appalled at the fact that Mary has been forced to abdicate. This isn't the kind of thing Elizabeth wants to encourage, obviously, as a fellow queen. But it does put her in a rather difficult position. Mary is a Catholic. She is the sort of biggest threat, in many ways, to Elizabeth's reign. So she's not entirely clear what she's actually going to do with her. She initially, she wants to go to war and just put Mary back on the throne. Mm. But obviously, Cecil thinks, no, 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 we've got her here. Let's not put her back. Yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, in Scotland, her infant son is king and there, there's just a minority or something? There's a minority, but there's also a civil war, really, between Mary's supporters and Mary's opponents. So, but would an alternative for Elizabeth be just to keep Mary safe in her court and she knows that she's got this Scottish heir in James VI to take over? It's all fine. She doesn't need to die, is what I'm saying. Well, but can you really build that safe when you've got your biggest rival and a Catholic just wandering around making friends with all of the Catholics in your country? I'd I'd like to think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that would have been very persuasive for William Cecil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he would have definitely been more persuasive than I'd like to think so, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, as a result, they're in a bit of a... Pickle. The Scots are trying to prove that Mary was culpable in murdering her husband and consequently she should be arrested or murdered or something. But she's <laughs> basically stuck in limbo in basically house arrest in England. Mm. Mm-hmm. Eventually the tide starts to turn when her presence starts to inspire Catholic rebellions, which might be a bit of a counter-argument to your can't yeah. we all just be friends yep, 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 yep. <laughs> line of thinking. Uh, we have the Northern Rebellion in 1569, the Rodolphi Plot in 1572. Elizabeth is actually excommunicated in 1570 and the Pope encourages Catholic subjects to murder her. Wow. So if you've got Catholics in England being told by the Pope to murder the Queen, yeah. and you've got a person that many Catholics would see as actually being the rightful Queen in the country... But Mary can see that this isn't helping her claim at all, can't she? It's not, she's not fostering this, is she? Well, is she or isn't she? That's a mm. bit of a question. To what extent is she is involved? Probably early on, not very much. Although, you know, there is a lot of issues with the Duke of Norfolk, who's a bit of a Catholic sympathiser. Some people think, well, we could marry Mary and Norfolk together, and then that would sort everything out. Elizabeth mm-hmm. is furious when she hears that people have been plotting about this. Mm. It's a bit too close, isn't it, to overthrowing? It is a bit too close. Um, so Mary he- being here now is causing a lot of problems, and particularly when we have the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre in France. Which one's that? Um, that's where we have an awful lot of Huguenots massacred by uh, the Medici. Oh. Regency. It's all very, very bleak. So if you're a Protestant in England, the idea of a Catholic queen mm. is pretty pretty unpleasant and the last one was pretty unpleasant all that burning yeah they've got a bit of a bad experience mm. of catholic mary's yeah. in england <laughs> so consequently they're not going to help mary return to scotland and they're not going to just let her wander around at court and have a jolly time so it's it's death isn't it no it's oh. not death it's just comfortable house arrest mary's based in the midlands where she's far from london but also far from scotland yeah so she's not really near any of her supporters, hopefully, and she's under the care of the Earl of Shrewsbury and Bess of Hardwick. Uh-huh. And she does actually live in quite a lot of luxury, you know, nice big palaces. She's probably got the second biggest household in England after Elizabeth. Because she, she's still considered a queen at this point? or She certainly still considers herself a queen. Right. But no one in England is is trying to... You know, is, no one would take that seriously, her claim to the Scottish throne. James is properly 
there now. Well, initially, Elizabeth hasn't actually acknowledged him as king, oh. so it's still a little bit uncertain. Um, but, you know, Mary's having a decent time. She's a bit bored, and her health declines because she's not getting to go riding as much. But nevertheless, it's fairly comfortable. All right. It's good retirement. I'll well, stay with that. I reckon if I were her at this point, I'd say, it was looking really dicey. <laughs> this is actually all right. I just, can everyone calm down? I'm quite happy. I'm being fed. Let's all be nice. The thing is, Mary's a bit more impulsive than Oh, that. dear Mary. And she's a bit more ambitious. She mm. still wants to get back to Scotland. Um, she manages to reopen uh, communications with Scotland, and in particular with her son, James VI, who she's actually, of course, never really known tragically uh, when did they how old was he when it's she like a year oh a bit. And, uh, yeah but okay. they're now in correspondence and mary's got a great plan that if james puts in a good word for her with elizabeth mm. mary goes home james and mary can be co-rulers mm. and then james can succeed her fully in scotland and hopefully succeed elizabeth in england okay how was she in contact with james that sounds like she wasn't allowed to do that uh, i think it was because um in scotland some French forces come in and are able to be a bit more influential and win James's support, so he becomes a bit more open to the idea okay. of speaking to his mother again. Unfortunately, though, he doesn't really like her plan, mm. particularly when Elizabeth offers him a bit of a better one and she agrees to recognise James as King of Scots rather than Mary, but as a result, James says no to Mary. He's not going to intercede. He's not going to help her get out. That's horrible, isn't it, trying to... Uh, negotiate with your mother that you've never seen. She's uh, as like a stranger as much as any of these other foreign diplomats would have been. And he's always been taught that his mother killed her, uh, his father and is really evil. He's Who was brought James up as father? a Protestant, Lord Darnley. Oh right, yep, yep. Oh dear, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Does he hate her? Well, he's got pretty mixed feelings about her. He doesn't really have any reason to feel much sympathy towards her, apart yeah. from the fact that she is his mother. Okay, and he's, he's being raised a Protestant at this point? He's been raised a Protestant, so basically he's got the mother that killed his father and is an evil Catholic saying, how about I come back to Scotland and be king, uh, yeah. be queen as well as you being king? Yeah, not, and then his aunt, <laughs> well. step-aunt... <laughs> saying, uh, no, oh, well, whatever, uh, Elizabeth saying, or you could just be King of Scotland and England. Well, she doesn't offer him England, but obviously that's yeah. potentially on the table. So he chooses Elizabeth over Mary. Mm. And from Mary's perspective, that really is the last hope of some kind of solution gone. The only way that she is going to be able to escape and get back into power is if Elizabeth dies. Yeah. So we have a series of plots against Elizabeth in oh. the 1580s, which... Um, Mary is quite canny enough not to do definitely be involved in, but equally it does seem like she is perhaps aware of them. Right. But William Cecil and uh, his spymaster Walsingham are able to trap her with the Babington plot in 1586. Oh, yes, beer barrels. Beer barrels. Mary thought that she was sending secret messages to a sympathetic person. As it turned out, the sympathetic person was under the pay of William Cecil. So all of her secret letters were going straight to Cecil. Oh, God. She much so she's right in it up to her neck. So she is trapped and they have got proof. So finally, Mary is put on trial for treason in England. She is found guilty, and Elizabeth is persuaded to sign the warrant to execute Mary Queen of Scots. Before we get onto that bit about the actual death. I mean I wasn't <laughs> gonna linger over that too much to be honest. Well it it happens. Um, the what was in those letters? What was the what was the plot that she was getting involved in? Try, she was was she definitely trying to kill Elizabeth? It sounds like a well, massive. I mean, she's not. Fuss. She's not instigating the plot, but she's being made aware that this is 
a plot and she's effectively giving a, a, no, a nod and a wink. Okay. That that would be a positive outcome. So just being aware of it is enough. Yeah. Mm, okay. And she gets the chop? She does. She is beheaded at Fotheringay at the age of uh, 44 in 1587. Mary, Queen of Scots, is no more. But I understand Elizabeth wasn't happy about this. Well, yes, as soon as it had finished, Elizabeth claimed that she never wanted it to happen. And why on earth did they behead Mary, Queen of Scots? Because she'd signed the death warrant. Technically, she had signed the death warrant, but obviously she didn't actually mean that. <laughs> so she's just trying to get out of it. She, yeah, okay, fine. Anyway, Good. Elizabeth is now the only one left of the two queens. Um, she Tensions come out of this, of course, killing Mary, Queen of Scots, for the Spanish, who have been watching affairs in England and a lot of tensions brewing... While Mary's still alive, there's maybe hope that there one day will be a Catholic queen that will be sympathetic to their cause. Mm. Once Mary is dead, that's the end. As a result, we have in 1588 the Spanish Armada. Uh-huh. Philip II launches a fleet of something like 150 ships, 15,000 men, um, and they're going to transport a 30,000 uh, invasion force from Flanders. What's their relation? They are related, aren't they? Elizabeth uh, and he used to be her brother-in-law. Right. It's very weird, isn't it? <laughs> that you're just going to go along and try and kill a family member with, with an army. Very, very strange. They'd, had they met before? Yes, yes, they would have met. Oh, right. You'd, th- you'd sort of think if you knew someone face-to-face, you couldn't sort of do that. But I mean, he'd also maybe hope that she might have married him, and he didn't. She didn't, so, you mm. know. Well, still, it's a bit of a... Bit, bit of extreme a, reaction. Bit extreme reaction to a turndown, yeah. Okay, so that's successful, I imagine. The Spanish Armada is not successful, unfortunately, for the Spanish. Um, The English ships harrying them and also particularly terrible weather wreck Mm. the Spanish fleet. It is unsuccessful. Yeah, okay. So now Elizabeth is safe, Mary's gone, but... She still doesn't have an official successor, is that right? She hasn't actually. She doesn't have an official successor, and she is now getting on a bit, yeah. unfortunately. She's very faithful to her ministers, Elizabeth, but sadly, uh, time does catch up with them, and they all start dying off. <laughs> Robert Dudley dies in 1588, Walsingham in 1590. Um, she even spoon feeds poor old William Cecil in 1598 uh, on his deathbed. Oh, sweet. All of her old advisors have gone, and there's a sense perhaps now that she herself is a woman a little bit out of time. Mm. We have the Essex Rebellion, when this uh, new flash young man at court was initially something of a favourite for Elizabeth, but he had a rather disastrous attempt to deal with the rebellion in Ireland, came back, wasn't very happy about how he was treated, and actually marched on London. What an idiot. Yes, obviously he had his head cut off. Yeah. He just thought it was the big I am and thought, I'll, you know, I'm flashy, flashface, I'll come and take over as king. Mm. What an idiot. Okay, he, he's out. Yeah, stupid he's out, thing. but perhaps this is a bit of a last thing for Elizabeth, the last sort of flirtation and romance and sense of youth. She is now an old woman and she really sinks into herself and seems to get quite depressed. Mm. It's not a great period for England either. We've got high taxes because despite the Spanish Armada, the wars with Spain are still ongoing Mm. and dragging on somewhat. The Irish wars were also very expensive. So in 1603, she finally falls ill for the last time, refused to go to bed for several days, um, apparently suffering from nightmares, doesn't want to go to sleep. She's just standing Oh, days God, on end. Such a sad story. And when she finally gives in, she goes to bed and she dies at the age of 69, still refusing to acknowledge James VI or indeed anybody else as her successor. What's her motivation there? Because that's she'd already thought that would be a good idea. 
but she never actually wants to acknowledge anybody in case they are a threat to her power. And I guess even on her deathbed, she couldn't oh quite really? bring herself to wow. accept somebody else. Mm. Okay, But it was probably inferred from a lot of their communications mm. that he was the natural successor. And did the last person, you know, her last words, they could claim that it was whispered, oh, she said James, that's fine. Well, yeah, pretty much. They do at one point where going through and saying, you know, the King of Scots, and she sort of makes some kind of noise, and they basically go, yeah, well, that's probably a yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, brilliant. Okay, so she's gone. Well, you know what's next? But how are you feeling about oh. before you? I know you're excited because you can't actually them. remember yeah. what's coming next. Yeah. But what are you thinking about them at this point? We've seen their lives and reign, the way that they intertwine with each other, the rivals. Are they friends? I wish they were friends. Imagine how powerful they'd have been. It would have been fantastic. But I, is there? There's a lot of parallels that we uh, that were brought up in that in the episode we did on her. Um, I, it's just down to personality. I think I really like. I really liked Elizabeth in the finals, I remember that. But I do like Mary's attitude of just mm. getting on and doing something about it. Yeah. Elizabeth is a bit more of a survivor, a bit more... Cautious. Uh, and necessarily so, given her upbringing. But it's really fun how Mary just thinks, right, well, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do that. It makes for a great story. Mm. Uh, Mary, Mary's got your entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> yeah, something like that. If only she could have had a coffee outlet as a yeah. way of... <laughs> Buy from Rue's Coffee. Ah, <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to get it without you nodding at me. <laughs> battleiness! So let's see how good uh, Elizabeth and Mary were at battleiness. First mm. up, we've got Elizabeth I. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of her first successes is in Scotland. Oh, effectively yeah. against Mary. This was in 1560 when they send um, up troops to help with the Protestant Reformation. Again, oh, but, but Mary at this time is in France. Mary's in France. Her mother is trying to uh, deal with it. So we've got French and Scottish forces uh, being invaded by the English. Mm. And uh, it is successful. We have a Protestant regime established. And this is a massive chain around Mary's neck. Mm. So if that had been unsuccessful and Mary had come back to a very loyal and happy Catholic court, she would have been in a far stronger position than she ended up being in. Well, hang on. So Elizabeth invaded... Oh, sorry. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, to help the Protestant cause. Yeah. Why didn't she... I just imagine if it were a king, if it were an Edward, say, to, then perhaps <laughs> he'd have... Uh, sh- why did, wasn't she installed as queen? She was the Protestant figure. Well, I mean, it's not that she invaded and conquered to that extent. It was just to help the rebels that were already there. It's a bit like, you know, if there's a conflict today and we don't want to actually invade a country, but we want regime change. Right. So you provide arms to... The okay. people who are rebelling. Was there ever an idea that that could happen? That you know, that it could be a, a war of conquest instead of just a. I don't think hand? they. No, I don't think they ever had quite that okay. ambition. Mm. But still, it dealt a serious issue for Mary, and that's you know, if that hadn't happened, everything could have been very different between them. Mary's mm. position would have been far stronger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. In Ireland, we see the scope of English rule really extended um, for the first time, really, ever since the Normans have been there. It's been limited, basically, to Dublin and the surrounding areas. Um, And Ireland has got Spanish support, of course, because Philip II thinks, well, we've got this Catholic Ireland right next to England. That could be quite a useful Mm -hmm. stepping-off point for us. Um, But they are able to deal with a rebellion. Essex obviously didn't do a particularly good job, but ultimately a chap called Mountjoy is able to launch a successful campaign. And in 1603, the rebels are defeated and they agree to surrender to Elizabeth. Can't help but notice that date. Yes, it's a bit of a sneaky deal because Elizabeth had actually died before 
they uh, oh. drew up the treaty. But Can Mount we count that? Well, it's tricky because Mountjoy thought that the Irish would be more likely to accept it if they thought that the Queen was still alive. So yeah. consequently failed to mention to them that <laughs> their enemy had actually already died. <laughs> so they surrender to her even though she's dead. Okay. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? That her force of personality was such they thought, oh, okay, yeah, Lisbeth will just be back again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's good. I'll tick that one. Good. Good, good in Ireland. Um, we also have the beginnings of empire. We see her financing privateers like Drake, Frobisher, Hawkins and Raleigh. Um, they make claims in Newfoundland and Virginia. Then 1600, she grants a royal charter to the East India Company, which will obviously yeah. be a major force of, well, evil largely, but nevertheless, <laughs> expansion for... Yeah. It was a tricky one how to deal with that, with how to deal with empire. But regardless of the um, pros and cons of it, what an exciting time to have all this stuff coming back to England that never been seen before. It's like, yeah, sort of a lifting of the eyes from just the British Isles and France to the whole world. Quite exciting. That's good. Another tick for Elizabeth yeah. there. And, of course, the biggie is the Spanish Armada in 1588. Absolutely huge fleet. Something like 55,000 troops in all that the Spanish would have had. Wow. If they had actually landed, it might have been impossible, really, for Elizabeth to have stopped them. But Sir Francis Drake successfully harries the Spanish fleet, storms force them off course, and apparently only 67 ships and about 10,000 men ended up getting back to Spain. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but also apparently a similar figure of uh, English sailors, because Elizabeth didn't let them land, so she didn't have to pay them. Yes, that was uh, a little bit sneaky. Not so good. And you could also argue that in terms of the victory, it's really more about bad Spanish tactics um, because Philip apparently gave such strong orders that nobody was allowed to take the initiative. So there's one point where the Spanish see that the English fleet is trapped in Plym Plymouth Harbour mm -hmm. and it would have been very easy for the Spanish to go in, destroy the fleet and then not, uh, not be challenged for the invasion. Yeah, but luck. Be but because Philip had said, no, you go here, you don't divert from the course, they weren't allowed to take oh, advantage. Silly. Luck and flame ships. Ooh. Flame ships, very yeah. cool. But Fire the, ships. the weather was the biggie, though. Mm. As Philip II himself said, I sent the Armada against men, not gods, winds, and waves. Mm -hmm. So if the weather hadn't been so bad, the Spanish might have still invaded. Mm. And then we would have seen... So where were they off to? They were going up the channel. Was it to get to sort of East Anglia? They were going to, to go to Flanders and pick oh, up yeah. some more troops and then head over. Okay, right. Taxi service. Yeah. Yeah, right. But they are unsuccessful, and Elizabeth makes a famous speech at Tilbury Fort while uh, inspecting her troops ahead of a potential invasion, uh, where she says that, I know I have the body but of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king, and of a king of England too, and think foul scorn that any prince of Europe should dare to invade the borders of my realm. That, uh, where Graham and I used to work, where we met in Essex County Council that's there's this huge mural of that scene because Tilbury's in Essex and so we thought that might be a good influence for the name of the podcast and was that where she said quite was that the quite a lady business yes for some reason Ali thought that a good title for this podcast would be quite the lady <laughs> Be because she was I'm not sure it's totally clear what we do with the factors and the rating and everything Rex is probably better but and all of the kings that we review yeah, and because yes, yeah. I mean, it, there's lots of problems with it, I, but I just still enjoy that quote. <laughs> I maintain, in the right circumstances, <laughs> that could have been. But this single episode, she was quite a lady. Well, Pope Sixtus V agreed. He said she is only a woman, only mistress of half an island, and yet she makes herself feared by Spain, by France, by the Empire, by all. That's pretty 
good praise, isn't it? It's very high praise. Yeah. Wow. On the other hand with Elizabeth, she's very indecisive. Right. said that she tends to be very cautious. She doesn't like to rush into things. She actually infuriates her ministers by the extent to which she just puts off making any kind of decision at all. Apparently, for the invasion of Scotland in 1560, William Cecil had to threaten to resign to mm. actually get her to go ahead with it. And, I mean, that is perfectly exemplified by her signing the document but then saying she didn't want to yeah. see it through. What Exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't a very well-planned expedition. Apparently the troops found that the ladders they got for besieging some of the Scottish castles were actually too short. <laughs> Fantastic. And when did they find that out? I assume about three quarters of the way yeah, up I the Yeah, I really wall. hope <laughs> that's the case. They go, I've run out of steps. Brilliant. Um, so they've not actually been that successful um the english in terms of a lot of offensive campaigns we've been a bit lucky about the spanish not managing to invade we've gone up to scotland with slightly too small uh ladders but they did succeed in scotland they did succeed yeah, yeah. but we're not seeing any great battles that we're winning or anything like mm. that and elizabeth herself of course is not strongly involved yeah. apart from making a speech that didn't really have any influence on the outcome it's difficult isn't it because it's like when uh, the monarch that we're reviewing uh, there's a point where they're no longer going to battle uh and henry was just too fat but he would have done it but um elizabeth would just w wouldn't have been allowed would she and she didn't have any military training so we've got to give her some credit for the victories even though she wasn't fighting them herself well does mary do a little bit more than elizabeth mm. let's find out um, in 1562, there was actually a Catholic rebellion, and such was Mary's commitment to the balanced cause that she actually puts this rebellion down. She raises an army, and then her half-brother, the Earl of Murray, captures Inverness Castle, defeats the chap in battle, and then he promptly dies of apoplexy. What, what caused that? Just the shock they had won? I guess losing... Oh, no, not Murray, the, uh, the Catholic oh, rebel. got it. Right, fine. Uh, but they did execute and try his body, though. <laughs> what was the outcome? Guilty. Oh, right, good, good. Uh, and they killed him? Yes. Yeah, okay. In 1565, we had what became known as the Chaserbrout Raids. This was after she married Dudley and the Protestant lords rebel uh, because they're not happy about this slightly Catholic marriage. Mm. They try to raise forces against Mary, but she is able to play quite a good PR game in saying that she's being very reasonable and not too Catholic. <laughs> she raises a large army, and she actually rides at the head of the army She's wearing a steel cap, brandishing a pistol, and they chase them all across Scotland until eventually the Protestants are forced to race into England and seek refuge with Elizabeth. I take it back. They can go to battle this time. That's fantastic. Even John Knox admitted that she was very courageous, mm. albeit he caveated that by saying that it was quite manlike. <laughs> I, in my mind, oh, I've just realised this is another unpopular reference, but her at the t at the front of this army is a bit like sort of Thatcher in that tank in uh, in the first Gulf War. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's she's totally playing on this image of of the women of this time. Like it's um, it's really good. I I totally completely forgotten that um, that she did that and the. Can it's a good thing we're doing this podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Can you tell me more about the cap? That doesn't sound, I mean, like, you know, not like a Well, I think cap. To, you know, to steal so that if she got shot at that it would... So it was necessary. She was that much in the thick of it that she had to have armour on. Well, I guess if you're going to war, you might want to take some precautions. So. Yeah, definitely. Definitely pack a, a raincoat, for example. Yes. But, and so she wasn't in full armour. She didn't have any... No, I don't think she was going around like a medieval knight. But mm, that's a shame. Mm. Still pretty good. She had a hat on. She does. 
And she shows a lot of personal courage through her reign. Um, her secretary, an Italian uh, music uh, teacher as well, was uh, murdered right in front of her when she was six months pregnant. And she was then basically imprisoned, um, but she is able to escape via an underground passage and then rode 25 miles to get to her supporters. And she only stops along the way to vomit because, as I said, she is six months pregnant wow. at the time. Who's with her? Who's she have uh, Darnley is with her at this point. This is before he gets blown up. I imagine he was doing the rowing as well. She was doing the rowing as well, and he was just sitting there <laughs> drinking or something and being outrageous. Not a nice bloke. Not the nicest of blokes. But impressive by Mary. Oh, yeah, yeah. All credit to Mary, yeah. And also, of course, when she was forced to abdicate, she was imprisoned on a castle in an island in Loch Leven, but she said she won the steward over, sabotaged the boats, rose off, raised a huge army, and marched towards Dumbarton to get back her kingdom. Yeah. She, her preferred escape method is definitely the rowboat, isn't it? She's got, she's got previous there. I don't think I'd have had those anywhere near her. I mean, the first example, I wasn't going to pick you up on this, but it, I said that she rowed oh. 25 miles. Oh, that's a shame. As in with a D. <laughs> And an E, not oh. a W-E-T. So the horse was doing all the work? The horse. <laughs> oh, right, well, uh, she did rode once, that's Riding funny. once, rowing mm. the second time. Mm. All right, okay. You just love a boat, don't I you? just love boats, yeah. Still, credit to the horse. Credit to the horse, indeed. So actually, we've got personal courage for Mary, and we actually do have her a little bit more in the thick of things, yeah. doing things and showing you know, that yeah. she is brave and able to lead men in battle. Of, in a way. Is that the end of her battliness? Well, that's the end of the positives. Unfortunately for Mary, there are actually some pretty big negatives. Mm. At Battle of Carberry Hill in 1567, that was when uh, initially we see the rebellion against her when she marries Bothwell. We have a big standoff for a number of hours. Quite a few of her supporters start slipping away. <laughs> and then ultimately she negotiates uh, Bothwell to be able to escape and she surrenders. And she's ultimately abdicating without a shot being fired. Why did she not say, you can have Bothwell <laughs> and I'll go? <laughs> well, that's what everybody else would have quite liked her to have said. Yeah. Well, do we know why? Well, I guess because it was her husband and she mm. didn't want them to kill him. Well, <laughs> she got it in the end instead. Yeah. Uh, it's not great. I mean, the good stuff is is great, but it's from a position of weakness. Mm. We had this the other night, um, like with Alfred and Athelstan, Whereas Mer uh, Elizabeth uh, is great stuff, but she's definitely queen. That's there's no question there. And she's got a navy and forming these, you know, these incredible victories that we still hear about today. Maybe, I mean, is that outweighed by the fact that Mary is actually in the thick of it herself? I guess the problem is that on the positives, Mary's in the thick of it and showing more personal bravery. As a negative, that means Mary's maybe more culpable when things go wrong. Yeah. So after escaping, we then had the Battle of Langside, where she was marching to Dumbarton, but despite her opponents having inferior numbers, they are successfully able to ambush her, mm. defeat her army, and then she flees to England rather than trying to regroup in Scotland. Yeah, but I can understand the, the thought there. I, it's she's surviving. It could it could have, in my mind, it should have worked out if they'd have met, and it wasn't for those those meddling kids of uh, Cecil. 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 Yeah. Um, it, it it was just next thing she was desperate and trying to, and it could have worked. Maybe, but the the civil wars pretty much drank on for another five years, so they're able to keep going. Her supporters without her there, 
Mm. Imagine how much stronger that might have been for them if she'd actually still been there as a presence, as a figurehead. Oh, it wasn't England or die. She could have escaped. Perhaps she could have escaped. I mean, to be fair, the you know Scottish predecessors, quite a few of them have met with quite a grisly end. Yeah. So she maybe thought safest option is just to get out of there. But nevertheless, mm. if she'd stayed, maybe she might have been able to recover her position. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's not good, that bit. Mm. So what do you think, comparing them against each other? I don't know. I, it's really hard to see past the massive victories of um, uh, the Spanish Armada because that's you know it's still taught in schools and all that sort of stuff. But it, that's the point of Rex Factor, isn't it? To shine the light on those who aren't quite so well known. Mm. Uh, maybe Mary is up here. Fairly well known, but uh, uh, but uh, I really like it. It's really really punchy, isn't it? From from Mary, she's actually there. She's making decisions she's she's been forced to make sometimes unpalatable ones but she does and whereas elizabeth is a bit wavering and if if a decision is made it's because she's forced comes out well and the victory is a bit lucky it's interesting because mary's the one that's much more decisive in that sense a bit more battley but is that showing that mary's maybe better for personal courage, but Elizabeth is better as a tactician. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's a de- uh, Elizabeth is a better politician. Mm. Um, but as far as pure battliness goes, I think I have to give that to Mary. Although if you're going to look for an actual outcome, Mary does end up in prison for 19 years and then beheaded by Elizabeth. So Elizabeth might feel like... She wins one-on-one. Got, yeah. got one over <laughs> her. <in the> <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's, got, she's got the state behind her. They just need to meet and be friends. It'd be fine. But... Uh, at least Mary has a tin hat. She does have a tin hat. So she wins for <laughs> me. Scandal. <laughs> See, I, I think you read that one. I did. I did. Nearly. It's because that was a long passage. I, I had them queued up in my mind. But anyway, sorry. So scandal. Let's look at Elizabeth I. So um, quite a number of rumours about Elizabeth. Mm. First off is a chap called Thomas Seymour. Um, he's one of the brothers of Jane Seymour, the third wife of Henry VIII. And after Henry VIII's death, Elizabeth was living with Catherine Parr and her next husband, Thomas Seymour. Stepdad. Her stepfather. Well, well oh. it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> That's her Facebook update, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it gets even more complicated. Seymour is tall, handsome and reckless, which turns out to be basically Elizabeth's type. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is actually sent away from the household by Catherine Parr when she was caught dallying in bed with Thomas Seymour. Dallying is a funny word for it. Mm. We had it. We're on, uh, on the drive up here. We've been listening to a load of uh, audio books. And uh, so I said to Graham, well, I've got a surprise for you today and put on the latest, uh, what's his name? The author. Uh, uh, it's Shardlake book. A Shardlake one, uh, Tombland. And the opening paragraph, or the opening um, chapter, sorry, is all about this. And Graham said, you can't, this is research. You can't do this. <laughs> so I am, I'm very familiar with this, Graham. Test me. You know all about yeah. this. Well, what happens after this? What happens to Thomas Seymour? Well, no, I just know that that happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, after Catherine Parr dies, Thomas Seymour is then arrested for plotting to actually marry oh, yeah. Elizabeth and potentially You're make right, himself that, queen. Yep, yep. Is that in the uh, that happens? That was in the thing, yeah. and uh, he is beheaded as oh. a result of this for treason. Elizabeth was questioned. Many in council believe that she knew a lot more about Seymour's plans than she was letting on, but they weren't able to uh, wheedle any guilt out of her. 
That's where she's good, isn't it? She's a survivor. Mm. Against this, she was only 14 or 15 at the time, so that would really be seen as child abuse today rather than her being particularly scandalous. But at the time, they thought that Elizabeth was in on a plot to try and take the throne from Mm. her brother. Mm. Okay, but she survives because there's nothing written, unlike Mary, perhaps? Exactly, she does survive, and she survives to meet a chap called Robert Dudley, tall, dark, handsome rogue, as we said, very much Elizabeth's type. Mm-hmm. Um, ambassadors reported that he would visit her chamber at night and basically was, in effect, waiting to become king. Right. Very is, scandalous. But it was inconvenient because he was actually already married to a oh, yeah. Robsart. Yep, 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 yep. And then in 1560, Amy Robsart was found dead at the bottom of a small staircase with a broken neck. Mm-hmm. See Rex Factor special episode for details. Mm. Uh, English ambassador in France contrasted Elizabeth with Mary's much more discreet behaviour. Because even though there was this great scandal across Europe, and Elizabeth was still showing great favour to Dudley, still seemed like potentially she might think about marrying him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very similar, if you think, actually, to what Mary ended up doing with Bothwell. Yeah, I was going to say that's pretty uh, strong card for her to play there because she does exactly the same. Mary even actually joked um, about this apparently at the time, saying hearing that Elizabeth was planning to marry her horsekeeper because Dudley was the man in charge of uh, the royal the royal horses. Oh right, he did actually have a role at court. He wasn't just yeah. hanging around. Okay, right, just hanging around pushing yeah. his wife downstairs and hoping <laughs> to <laughs> catch some luck. Um, there are lots of alternative explanations. Maybe she did fall. Maybe she was ill. Maybe somebody else organised it, like yeah. William Cecil. Mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. Uh, plotting something or other. But, of course, the biggie in terms of murders for Elizabeth is Mary, Queen of Scots. 1587, Elizabeth has executed her relative, her fellow queen, her fellow monarch. Sets a bit of a precedent that Oliver Cromwell will take, mm, yeah. take to heart a few decades later. And... Doesn't put her on a strong footing if queens can be exactly. executed. Yeah. But it, so presumably this is why she pretended she didn't want to do it at all in the first place. Well, yeah, but apparently so she, she really put off doing it and she put off for years. So Cecil and various others have spent about 20 years trying to convince Elizabeth to execute Mary. So how long was she in house arrest? 19 years. She's actually in England before oh, right. she gets her head cut off. So in a way, Elizabeth shows quite a lot of restraint. Yeah. Um, but she was hoping that... The reason that she gets so upset about the death warrant is that actually she wanted somebody else to do it for her. So actually she tried to persuade Mary's final jailer, a chap called Paulette, to uh, ensure that Mary might meet with an accident. And then when he refused, Elizabeth was said to be absolutely appalled at his daintiness. Really? Yeah. So she'd prefer to arrange his qu- her quiet murder than go through the public process of it. Yeah, so... That's better? She did want Mary dead, she just didn't want to be responsible for it. But she put up with her for 20 years. What's another 20? She was likely to die of a disease by then, wasn't well, she? Well, it, it was, was all the plots and that sort of thing. Yeah. People trying right. to kill Elizabeth. She mm. felt like maybe it might be better if they didn't. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty scandalous. Mm. It's right up there. But Mary's got some scandal to her name as well. Okay. She gets a reputation as being something of a femme fatale. In 1563, a French poet was found hiding under her bed. Oh, yes, this is brilliant. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Lord Darnley is actually her first cousin. Oh. I didn't know that. No wonder he was legi- had a claim. And they didn't want to wait for papal dispensation, so they just went ahead and got married anyway. And where's, where's the poet in all this? Uh, under the bed. 
Oh, that wasn't to do with the next bit. Okay, I thought it was no. about to jump out. And okay, right, 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 fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the so what's the poet? What's the poet? He was just found. He was just obsessed with her. Oh, right. So Which he was is found under a bed. Yeah. yeah. Dodgy. Mm. Uh, that's why I included it in yes good point yeah well done <laughs> do very well the nobles managed to convince her husband uh, Lord Darnley that she was sleeping with uh, a chap called Rizzio who was her secretary but also an Italian musician oh so we've got a French poet an Italian musician yeah so Mary likes and her first cousin oh it's not good is it that's really I mean it's great great scandal <laughs> but how did she get away with all that what was was there any any evidence for dalliances with these uh, artistic Europeans? Well, as I say, it's, <laughs> it's not really her fault that she's been stalked by a French poet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's no evidence of an affair with Rizzio. Why do people say it? Just because they don't like Italians? And well, and also they want to blacken Mary's name and try oh, to get yeah, Darnley yeah, against yeah, yeah. her. Yeah, okay. Bess of Hardwick also accused her of having an affair with her husband, the Earl of Shrewsbury, when she's in English imprisonment. Is this just a lot of this just jealousy? Perhaps a lot of this is just jealousy. Yeah. So maybe Mary doesn't actually do any of this. It's just that if you want to impugn a woman in authority, then you put lots of sex scandals in front of them and then yeah. try to blacken their name. Whereas for a king at the time, that's, oh, oh Charles. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's fine. Okay, yeah. So it sounds like it's nonsense. Potentially. Mm. However, what about Lord Darnley, her husband? You were pretty convinced oh, that yeah. uh, she was guilty she on that She definitely did one. that. Um, Darnley was recuperating from an illness in Glasgow, actually, at the time, but Mary persuades him to come to Holyrood instead, and then that night remembered that, oh, silly me, I meant to go to one of my servants' weddings. So not only did she forget, she brought him there that night. Yeah. It's really, really a bit rum, isn't it? Mm. So she leaves the house, and the house is then later, of course, blown up. But Darnley seems to manage to get out before that happened, so he was found <laughs> suffocated in the garden. Bless you. <laughs> she still attends the wedding. Yeah. Despite so there the was fact a that wedding. Her husband is dead. Yeah, there was a wedding, and she goes to it, despite the fact that her husband's been killed. Oh, yeah, um, that gets worse. She delays putting court into mourning for five days. Because? Well, well, because she doesn't like very much. Yeah. And uh, she denies him a state funeral, despite his royal heritage she definitely did it didn't she i mean wh why why the blowing up couldn't that's such a it's not subtle is it no there's no accident involved there that's luring him into a, a house wired with explosives yeah. it's <laughs> definitely how is there any way that she might not have done that well i guess somebody else might have done it that's the key thing other nobles were plotting darnley's downfall and indeed cecil deliberately sent exiled enemies up to scotland Mm. Some people even speculated that he had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen. Mm. So maybe it's actually a plot, an English and Protestant plot against Darnley, and almost everybody else is guilty except Mary, but they all just blame on her. And, well, and then she, she doesn't like him, so she doesn't show sufficient grief, and it all looks a bit suspicious. And it's just luck that she did have a wedding to go to. Well, she, if she was innocent, then she thought, crikey, if I hadn't remembered that I'd got a wedding to go to, then I'd have been blown up. Yeah. Although, would Cecil have... If it were Cecil, mm. then he was trying to. Perhaps he was trying to kill her at the same time. I'm onto something. He was trying to. <laughs> he was trying to kill her at the same time. I mean, that would have been ideal. Yeah. Oh, okay, Mary, you're innocent. It was this rogue Cecil again. After this, a lot of people think that the Earl Bothwell was uh, responsible, and he may well have had uh, a bit of involvement in the plot yeah. to kill Darnley. And then she marries him. Yeah. The man suspected of murdering her husband, Mary marries him, and we end up with a civil war which leads to her abdication. That was a strange choice. 
this Bothwell. Mm. Elizabeth wrote to her and said, how could, uh, how could a worse choice be made for your honour than in such haste to marry such a subject, who besides other and notorious acts, public fame has charged with the murder of your late husband? Besides the touching of yourself also in some parts, though we trust in that behalf falsely. Well, I, I, you know, that last bit ran away with me. What, <laughs> what are you saying? Besides the touching of yourself also in some part, though we trust in that behalf falsely. It sounds like you're reading a dirty story with the words all mixed up. What? Is <laughs> what, what? Well, again, this is um, the sad defence for Mary that perhaps she marries Bothwell because some people said that he might actually have kidnapped and raped her. Oh. And she feels that to protect her honour at that point, sadly, that she would need to have actually married him at that point. But, but Elizabeth here isn't at all understanding about that. No, I think Elizabeth is suggesting that she's heard that perhaps she and Bothwell were already having an affair before Darnley died, and that's why Bothwell kills him. Oh, isn't poor Mary, she doesn't catch a break, does she? But it's very unusual for Elizabeth there, because that's not Elizabeth holding her cards close to her chest. That's really sort of her moving away from the mic and saying, seriously, don't do that, that's really mm. bad. Like, I know we're not exactly on the same side, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... But it, Mary can't win. Either no. way, any decision there. Mm. But still scandalous, you know. Well, this was the thing. So actually, both of those, um, Elizabeth and Mary, we scored Elizabeth 5.5 out of 20 and Mary 5 out of 20. So despite both of them having quite a long list, I think in both cases we thought, well, maybe this is just lots of slander and rumour and they're not actually guilty of most of these things. I think we were trying to be very balanced and people said you were being too balanced. <laughs> and uh, it was scandalous at the time. And also, you know, when we do people like William Rufus and we've got all the clergy talking about him saying, by the holy face of Luca and moonlighting mm. and slightly homoerotic court. Yeah. That's because the clergy hate him and we were quite happy to accept all of that because yeah, yeah. it was quite a fun story. Mm. So we need to give her a bit more credit for this scandal. <laughs> yes. Okay. Potentially. It's really hard. Isn't it? Like, there's, again, there's so many parallels. Like, there's lots and lots of little bits of scandal from Mary. I mean, it's quite a big scandal, but for Elizabeth, it's the act of regicide. Yeah. Which is Although huge. Although technically she's recognised James as being king, so it's not technically regicide because Mary's and queen. Oh, anymore. right, okay. But, you know, technicality. Yes. Uh, oh, what's better? One big one or lots of little ones? That's mm. one of the great philosophical questions, isn't it? <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear, got I got myself in lots of horrible innuendo pickles earlier as well. Uh, I prefer lots of little ones, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with Mary for lots of little ones. Oh, there's no okay. nice way of putting that. Okay, mm. shall we move on? Yes, please. Oh, uh, subjectivity. So we have quite a few good things for Elizabeth. Uh, the Elizabethan age is um, certainly celebrated in England. I don't know if it's quite celebrated as much north of the border. Um, despite a lot of Puritan opposition, she loves cultural expression. So her brother Edward VI had whitewashed all of the churches, were getting rid of lots of singing and things like that in, uh, in church. But Elizabeth actually likes all of this stuff. She forms her own theatre company. This is, of course, the age of Shakespeare and Marlowe, great musicians like Dowland and Tallis. 
Uh, Elizabeth herself ensures the survival of choral music because she likes it so much. Mm. And we also have great buildings, these lovely mansions like Hardwick Hall, Burley House, gardens at Kenilworth Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have exploration in this period, of course. 1565, Hawkins returns from America with sweet potato and tobacco. Mm-hmm. 1577 to 80, Sir Francis Drake circumnavigates the globe in the Golden Hind. Yeah. And uh, Sir Walter Riley colonizes Virginia in her honor. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah, so we've got uh, exploration of the world. And Elizabeth provides a lot of stability. We talked before about all of the chaos of Henry VIII, Edward VI, Mary I... Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's motto is semper iadem, always the same. Mm. Slow and steady wins the race. She's loyal to her counsellors, and it's only when they actually really just get far too old and die off that she actually appoints new ones. Mm. So as Henry VIII was beheading people left, right and centre, under Elizabeth, much more fair, much more steady. You wish you spoon-feeding them. Much better. Well, I mean, you could argue that perhaps she went a little bit too far. Cecil tried to uh, retire several times, even when he was described as being very old, white, and deaf as a post. <laughs> so I'm not laughing at old age. <laughs> I just like that uh, expression at the time. <laughs> um, and as a result, the later period of Elizabeth's reign, perhaps everything feeling a little bit tired, a little bit long in the tooth. What was the end of that, though? What, she just didn't let him retire? No. She could do that? Yes. Just come into work or you're fired? Okay, <laughs> I'll be fired then. Which I mean, I guess, obviously, at this point, a monarch says that they could be literally fired. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the religious settlement is largely successful in England, a huge challenge following the uh, Catholic uh, sister of Mary, and she resolves quite a few of the divisions. Only outward conformity is required, and initially she's actually very tolerant. We don't see lots of executions of Catholics. It's much more balanced. Yeah, I really like her. She's great. Um, it declines a bit from the 1570s when we have all of those uprisings. When there was the Northern Rebellion, Elizabeth arbitrarily demanded 700 people be executed. Oh. So that wasn't because there were 700 specific people guilty. She just decided Picked on a, a number. number. Yeah. Oh, God. So there was actually more than were executed during the Pilgrimage of Grace under Henry VIII, despite the fact that that was more serious and, you know, Henry VIII. Was there any other uprisings after that? There were other Catholic so plots. it didn't even work. So as a result, we see increasingly re repressive measures as it goes along. So she ends up executing something like 183 Catholics, 123 of whom are priests. This is when we start to see priest holes in England, oh, right. developing. Even though she's uh, tolerant and she's meant to be... She started tolerant, but then when the Catholics said all Catholics have a duty to kill the Queen, she then um, started to get yeah, a bit suspicious yeah. about Catholics. That, that was old Popey, though, in Rome, wasn't it, saying that? It was, but yeah. they listened to him okay. still, so... <laughs> Sorry, I keep headbutting this microphone. <laughs> um, she's largely a very popular figure. She's highly adept at propaganda. We've got these amazing portraits. She ends up being characterised as the Virgin Queen married to England, so she actually makes a virtue of what for a long time was a quite a sore point for Parliament. Mm. And she has the common touch when she's doing walkabouts. Uh, a chap at the time, Hayward, said, if ever any person had either the gift or the style to win the hearts of the people, it was this Queen, distributing her smiles, looks and graces so artfully that thereupon the people again redoubled the testimony of their joys. So she just get it, she's getting praised there just because she smiles Doing at the, the right people. Right. Yeah. That's more like the sort of royalty we know today, that just being in the right place at the right time and waving a bit. That's not quite, you know, well, Or punchy. you could say she invents the walkabout. Oh, yeah, all right. I'll go with that. I mean, I prefer the battley stuff, but yeah, mm. all right, good. 
against her, you know, she is the last of the Tudors, petitioned several times to marry, several times to try and produce an heir. Even on her deathbed, she refuses. I still can't quite get to the bottom of that. And if she died in 1562, which she nearly did from smallpox, it would have been absolute chaos mm. that she would have left behind. Mm. Well, that's why, yeah. It's really weird that there is this fear of all the chaos and she's not doing really anything about it. There's all these options put in front of her that could solve this Mary question as well and doesn't go with that. It's just luck that, as you say, someone overheard said, oh, yes, she did save James at the end, mm -hmm. perfect, and there was someone that was there ready to, to take over. It could have all gone badly again. But the thing is, she's got experience of being the next in line, and she knows that that causes plots to develop around a figurehead, which can also lead to the figurehead being imperiled themselves. But uh, when she's on her deathbed... Well, that's maybe leaving it a bit late. Yeah. Mm. All right. Anyway, what about Mary, Queen of Scots? Well, she also has to deal with uh, religious divisions, and as we said, she does quite a lot to try and bring some form of unity, except that the country will be Protestant, but she will get to pa uh, practice as a Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit of a middle course. She even actually, as we said, suppressed a Catholic rebellion mm. just to show how committed she was. Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? It's very good. Um, even after the, the Chaseabout raid, um, when all of those Protestant lords got sent out of the country, when uh, James VI is born, she restores them, they come back to court, and she professed her intention to be a patron of both Protestant and Catholic uh, churches. It's at these points that I can't understand how it went so badly wrong. Well, unfortunately, it did go quite badly mm. wrong. But no, there was signs that if perhaps events and things had been a little bit different, Mary would have been capable of actually being a much more enlightened and yeah. balanced ruler. How much was this John Knox character to blame for all this? Because she was presumably just saying, you know, er anyone can practice what they like, and he didn't like her because she was Catholic and a woman? I mean, that is, yes, both of those things very much a no-no for John Knox. Which was worse? Oh, that's a tricky one. Probably Catholic, but there's not much in it. Okay, so she just represented everything he hated. Yeah. Okay. But the key thing for Mary, of course, was what happened with Darnley and all that sort of yeah, stuff. But yeah, yeah. We're still in positive mode, so let's celebrate okay, sorry, more yeah, what positive, she does. She's yeah. got a renaissance court. It's all been a bit grey and grim uh, uh, for, uh, for the Scots for, for the while, since James V died and he was a monarch and she went off to France. Mm. But she brings lots of dancing, feasting, um, music. She loves dancing herself. She tries to get people to join in. She loves dressing up because she is a steward after <laughs> all. That's what the Stuarts yeah. do. Um, apparently, she used to like to uh, dress up with her ladies as men sometimes and give banquets. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't that al not allowed at the time? Like, on the stage, you couldn't have... Uh, That's uh, Oliver... I've made me think of Oliver Cromwell at this point. So many similarities. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she also apparently really upset an English ambassador when they went on a tour and she decided that they'd all be wearing Highland dress mm. and uh, the English ambassador couldn't bear with this, so he had to find an excuse to be recalled. <laughs> so what was, what dressing was there Highland dress at the time tartan or was that later uh, I'm not sure what it actually would have consisted mm, of but okay. whatever it was he did not want to wear <laughs> it um, and it's also quite a great period for Scottish culture. We see um, the Bannatyne manuscript compiling all these great 15th and 16th century Scottish macars, the poets. Mm. They were the ones that you liked because they did the uh, 16th century rap battles. Oh, yes. Now, when you were saying about poetry, I thought, oh, here we go. I'm not, I'm not a poetry <laughs> fan, but they sounded great. Have you oh, got exactly. one? I've not got one there, oh, but oh. nevertheless, we've got it all written down. Yeah. That all happens <laughs> under yeah. Mary. Um, she's also a keen uh, sports person. She loves riding and uh, golf, apparently, she popularises. Ah, and right. actually, the word caddy c 
comes from Mary because that uh, in France was a term because you had military cadets carrying royal clubs. Ha, Rex fact. Did we do that at the time? We did, but it's, oh, okay. a, it's always good when you react. Yeah. Rex you fact. <laughs> yeah. It was a long time ago. Initially, a few months ago. Oh. It's a long time. <laughs> Initially, she was very uh, popular. Contemporaries noted her charm in person and among crowds. Um, she even dazzled the French court. Um, she stole the show at her wedding at Notre Dame. You'd hope. Well, obviously you do want that for the yeah. bride, but you know, nevertheless, she's in a foreign country. It's maybe sometimes more about the Dauphin. Because oh, he's the yeah, yeah, yeah. But nevertheless, she outshines him pretty easily. Mm. And she spends much of her reign actually touring the country and trying to inspire loyalty. Mm. And John Knox complained that all the men are bewitched by Mary. Yeah. So she's doing quite a good job. And the fact that she's able to raise armies in 1565 and 1568 and the civil wars even when she isn't there suggests that the time that she did spend going around touring the country, she was actually quite successful. Mm. Yeah, she still had supporters. On the downside, we do see quite a lot of chaos in Scotland. From 1565 to 167, it really all goes wrong. The Darnley marriage disturbed the balance of power, leading to the Chaseabout raid. We then have Rizzio being executed, Darnley assassinated. She didn't handle it well. Married Bothwell, leads to civil war, her being forced to abdicate. And uh, then she ends up in England and gets her head cut off. Mm. Ultimately, it's not very good. How, how long does she actually reign for without being... Well, that's the thing. She's not actually in Scotland for very long. It's only about six years that she's actually yeah. ruling in person. She oh. never really masters Scottish politics, never quite gets the hang mm. of how to deal with all of these rebel lords. And I say six years in person and two of them are really pretty chaotic. It's not very good, is it? I mean, I really like loads of uh, aspects of the reign, but if you if were to be strict about it, would you like to be a subject of her reign? Mm. Not really. No. It doesn't sound much fun. I mean, there's a, there's a bit at the start where she says, oh, uh, you know, there's all this great stuff at court, and she's, you know, going around, uh, what do I don't mean wooing, what do I mean? Like, get it going, touring the country, yeah. saying hello to everyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's nice but then quite quickly turns into civil war. Yeah. Which is always bad in subjectivity, whereas Elizabeth, complete opposite. She's trying at all times to be utterly stable, always the same, which by luck worked out at the end, but could have gone so badly. So... Mm. So it's funny because they're both, in some ways, they're similar. They're both vivacious, both very charming, both very good with crowds, so they're mm. both quite good at doing the PR sort of stuff, both patrons of the arts, and they both try to steer that moderate religious course the difference is that elizabeth has lots of good loyal men around her mm. mary really suffers from the fact that they're all a bit mean yeah yeah but really you'd much prefer however long it was we're going to do it i know but <laughs> 50 years say of elizabeth's reign of all these exciting i kept seeing parrots in the playoff didn't we with all the but birds coming into the port, all stuff that they'd never seen before. Oh, okay, you know. right, so I see where you're yeah. going now. Yeah. Like all an exciting time to be alive, whereas with Mary, you might think, oh, God, I'm going to get called up yeah. and slaughtered. So I think, hands down, Elizabeth wins that round. I think, ultimately, Elizabeth is a bit more head over heart. So when we see that she could have married Dudley in 1560 after Amy Robsart dies, there's a subsequent um, potential marriage to uh, a French prince that's very unpopular. Elizabeth always pulls herself back mm. when she realises that it's not going to go down well, whereas perhaps Mary, who likes to jump into things, mm. maybe makes some more mistakes yeah, because she's a bit too impulsive. She ends up making fatal errors. Elizabeth is always 
one step yeah. back, not committing so too much. What was her? What was her saying? Like her tagline? Semper iadem. Yeah. Always the same. Whereas Mary's would be Nike, just do it. <laughs> yes. And one worked and one didn't, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, Elizabeth. <laughs> Dynasty, not the program. Or. Oh, you, well, we'll, we can cut that and paste it in afterwards. Long live. Oh. Longevity. Longevity. How long did they rule for? <laughs> Elizabeth I reigned from 1588 to 1603, 44 years, one of the longest reigns in uh, yeah. English or Scottish history. And started quite late. Yeah. Well, well 25, it's not that. Mm. Four years past the sweet spot. I do worry that how, uh, how old you must think that we are and how long in the tooth we are, given <laughs> how far we are beyond what would be a good starting point yeah. to rule. Yeah, well, I mean, if it, if it came down to it, I'd say yes, but I would admit that I was perhaps past my prime to be king. <laughs> but if they're looking... On the other hand, Mary is queen from 1542 to 1567, 24.5 years. So, so that's, that's counting from her being six weeks old. Yeah, so it's not too bad, but as you say, that's starting at six days old. So when does she actually start ruling? What, uh, you know, when did she start doing well, the admin? 1542. <laughs> she starts doing the admin really from, I think, sort of about 1560, 1561. Mm, not good. Yeah. Dynasty. <laughs> not the programme. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so Elizabeth doesn't have any legitimate surviving children. She never mm. married. She never had a child. And that was, of course, the end of the Tudor dynasty. Mm-hmm. In contrast, Mary, Queen of Scots, had one legitimate surviving child, James VI of Scots, but also James I of England. Pretty good. So not only has Mary got a child and thus beaten Elizabeth there, Mary's son is the one that will actually succeed Elizabeth. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the outcome that all of this was, was uh, you know, it was the best possible outcome. That There's no more slaughter. We just, it's fine. James, that's all right. That's great. But... There's a lot of death to get there. Elizabeth seems to win all of these uh, factors that aren't at all subjective. Um, well, but she doesn't win this one, which is a factual one, dynasty. Oh, yeah. Wrong and one. not only, yeah. as I said, Mary. it's not just that Mary's got the number, the one, but it's her dynasty that succeeds Elizabeth and becomes the ruling family. Elizabeth II is a descendant, direct descendant of Mary, Queen of Scots, but not of Elizabeth I. How does that work? So, but Elizabeth was related to James, right? Yes, but Elizabeth doesn't have any children, so therefore yeah, she doesn't yeah, have any descendants. And Got you. That's how it works. That's <laughs> how it works, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Good. So in terms of total scores, uh, Elizabeth I got 46.5. Mm. Mary, Queen of Scots, only got 33.5. But you've got a fun calculation, if it were one great big table between the Scots and the English. Yeah, so overall, they both scored quite a lot. I think that's because of scandal that we think we undermark both of them. Yeah. So we can assume perhaps that both of them need a little bit of a boost. But overall, in the English and Scottish series, Elizabeth would be placed 40th and Mary 60th. Mm. But it's not about that. It's not all about the scores. Um, you've got to decide whether they have that certain something, that lasting legacy, that great achievement that we call... Rex Factor! So, your system, Graham. Yes, so the system. So, everybody should have a card with either green or red on it. As you said, if anyone doesn't have one, then please give us a wave and we'll get one to you. What we're going to do is ask you to show us one colour 
to determine who you want to win. So if you want Mary Queen of Scots to win, then we'd ask you to point the red towards us. And if you'd like Elizabeth I to win, point the green towards us. I'm going to record this, so if it's close, we've got a record and we can tally them all up. Yeah, so the, the one we did last night, we did actually have to individually count every single one. It was that close. It, well, it didn't help that we said, right, hold your cards up, and then looked out and couldn't see a thing. So <laughs> we had to have everyone standing up and count. So, uh, are you going to count down? Yeah, okay, so show us in three, two, one, vote. Ooh. Oh, it's a bit of a... I thought it was going to be much more one-sided than this. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I think. I was just videoing. I wasn't counting. Sorry, was I? <laughs> not. <at> all. <laughs> it's all on you, Graham. Thank you, as ever, Alan. <laughs> I think by only about three or four or so, but nevertheless, that that is a win for Gree Green. I think that was a win for Green. I wasn't expecting that. That's a win for Green, which is Elizabeth. The no first. way. Wow. Come to Scotland oh and Elizabeth I just come out on top. I confuse myself sometimes. Every time I sit down, I think I know what the result is going to be. And then I sit down, say what the colour is, and then it's like, oh, no, hang on. That's the complete opposite of what I thought. Are we sure we did that right? Well, I think that that was right. Did everybody mean to show the one that they meant to show? I think we've got well, to assume. Well, we've got it on record. We'll, we'll get back to you if there was an admin error. Sorry. We, <laughs> if we got that wrong, we apologise. But nevertheless, Elizabeth I wins the Battle Whee! of the Queens. Well done, Elizabeth. <laughs> Great stuff. Great stuff. Well, that, that surprised me. I've got to yeah, yeah, me too. In the, on the drive on the way up, we're saying, well, obviously Mary will win. But to wonder if Elizabeth will get a few more votes at the end of it. Mm. Mm. But no, we're completely wrong. Anyway, that is it for the Battle of the Queens. But as I said, if you'd like to uh, ask us any questions at this point, it can be about Elizabeth and Mary, it can be about either the series we've done, future series, other history stuff, what we have for breakfast, anything at all, yeah. uh, then yes. Ask but similarly, them. if you don't want to ask in public and uh, don't want to speak in public, rather, um, Please do hang around at the end and come and speak to us and ask us any questions that you have. But yes, so are there any questions? Hello. Yes. Um, if you had a Tudor and Stuart dinner party, <laughs> yes. who would you invite? Ooh, how many, how many invites do we get? Four or five. Ooh. Go on. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't have Henry there. That's, that's absolutely certain. Because imagine those table manners. It would be horrible sitting there like a big ugly toad at the end, just <laughs> burping away. <laughs> no. Uh, the food bill as well would be exceptionally yeah, high. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, I thought, I mean, I assume Charles II surely has got to be high up your... Uh, he's already my flatmate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's there, uh, he's deciding with me. Uh, I'd probably have Mary. Yeah. I think, I think she'd be fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. Help me out here, Graham. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I think Henry, let's say a young Henry VIII... I oh. think would have been a bit more fun. Yeah. Before he got all eaty and choppy and. But at least it was a bit more interesting then. When he was young, he was just sort of writing intros to books and stuff, I mean, which is very interesting. But he was very pious, wasn't he? Oh, but he was partying as well. Oh, was he? Yeah, he spent like twenty years just partying. Okay. All right. Take it back. Well, I need to listen to his episode again, don't I? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or indeed the one that we did about three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got Charles II, Mary Queen of Scots, the young Henry VIII. Yeah. Elizabeth. Sh I she, love Elizabeth. She might not talk very much, though, might she? She might be a bit... 
reticent. Really? Well, because she's very, you know, keeps her cards close to her. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she'd been. Uh, she'd have been an interesting one to talk to, though. What, like, just want to get to the bottom. Yeah. Why on earth don't you just name an heir? Mm. Mm. And also, let's be honest, Charles would have would have chatted her up a bit, <laughs> <laughs> and we could have had a very different uh, outcome. James, take over. James, what's your name? Graham, take over. <laughs> yeah, that, that's who we'd invite, I think. Before Ali starts to get things a little too uh, complex. <laughs> with the family tree. <laughs> I've only just worked out how it works. So. Yes, there was one at the back there, yeah. Oh. Ali, you get to spend a day with Edward I. Yeah. Whatever you like, talk about castles all you want. But in exchange... You have to let Dunstan follow you around for a week. <laughs> 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 would you do it? Oh, oh, that was... But people didn't hear that was... D- broadly, Dunstan for a week or Edward for a day. Well, if, would you have one... If you'd had Edward, if you had to have Dunstan? Oh. Uh, one day with Edward, but then you have to have a week of Dunstan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not worth it. <laughs> Never meet your heroes... And I know exactly what the uh, the uh, week would be like. We'd, no, definitely not. I'd rather just have him up there. And yeah, easy on that. I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think would run a giant play? The eight Henrys or the eight Edwards? Ooh. Eight Edwards or eight Edwards? Well, I mean, we had a battle between one of the Henrys and one of the Edwards in Bristol, and um, something went very wrong with the voting. I think, you know, like tonight, maybe they got confused about the colours. It was... Ha- well, there was three votes for your man, wasn't there? Yes. Hmm. So, Edward... I mean, I'm going to take Team Edward, definitely. Uh, well, we'd, so the good ones, you've got Edward the first, Edward the third, Edward the fourth. So, yeah, bad Edward the second. Good ones. Edward the seventh is fun, but, you know, not very... You practical need in a battle. Yeah. What about the Edwards before Edward the Ah, oh. a bit of Edward the Elder in there. Yeah. He was a good one. Although now Henry's a bit, un- a bit unfair in the Henrys now because we <laughs> we don't have any other Henrys to call upon. Maybe we get a few of the French ones in. Well, you, uh, I mean, those Edwards would just take the place of Edward the Second. That'd be fine. Yeah. And Edward the Fifth, Prince in the Tower. He's not going to offer a lot, is he? No. Or no. Edward the Sixth. What? Were there any weak Henrys? Henry the Third. Yeah. Henry the Sixth. Two very weak Henrys. Oh, yeah. Put to sleep, chap, Henry the Sixth. Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like a quite a fair fight, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. We can have Henry the Young King. That's another one. Which one was that? Son of Henry the Second. Eldest son. Oh, yeah, yeah. Co- yeah crowned yeah. in his lifetime, mm. but never given any power. Uh, I, I think that would be a great battle, wouldn't it? Yeah. Score draw. Yeah. That was a get out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Hello. Yeah. Uh, this is actually uh, this is actually more of a history question. Uh, just in terms of in case I missed this, um, Mary's second husband. Um, Darnley. Third second. Oh, wait, no. Third. I imagined it. That's fine. Sorry, I forgot about the King of France. Yeah. Third husbands. Bothwell. Bothwell. Yeah. Um, I might have missed missed this, but what happened to Bothwell? Oh, so he um, he does manage to escape. They do actually end up chasing him, but he has quite a dramatic sort of sea escape. And uh, then he heads off to Scandinavia. And unfortunately for him, he had been... Apparently he promised to marry um, the daughter of quite a prominent uh, person. And unfortunately for him, ran into her. So she uh, informed the authorities. Bothwell was arrested. 
And then I think, was it the King of Denmark or the King of Norway? I can't remember which one had him now. Um, but they got him in prisons. Um, initially, they were thinking that maybe he could be some leverage because they wanted to get the uh, Northern Isles back from Scotland. And uh, when they realised that the Scots weren't really interested in him and weren't going to give him any money, they just left him uh, to fester in a jail where apparently he went mad and died. <laughs> so it didn't all really work out for Bothwell in the end. <laughs> nasty end for nasty bloke. Yeah. Mm. Any other questions? Any other questions? Yes. So, uh, for Edward I, so there, there's a long list of many notable entries across a long reign. Mm. Uh, what do you think was Edward's great failure? Failure? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was Edward I's greatest failure? Because, I mean, he had to go way over killing Wales, building castles everywhere to subdue a bunch of... Yeah. Like, and in terms of, like, he failed in France. Yeah. Didn't manage to subdue the Scots. Oh, what's going on here? <laughs> We've, he's better than Henry VIII. We've done it. Um, okay, his worst failure probably. Um, oh, it is. He wasn't very good with money. Um, well, I mean, he was very good at spending it. He was very good at spending it. And to be honest, when he he was very good at getting out of debts just by n saying, "No, I'm not going to pay you. I'm afraid, get out." <laughs> um, but that, yeah, I mean, it, perhaps he could have. Uh, had a uh, tighter reign on the purse strings and not perhaps built these great big northern Welsh castles and then perhaps set himself up for a um, uh, better Scottish campaign. Uh, <laughs> and But, you know, is that a failing? Because then we've got these incredible world heritage sites, but at the time, yeah, definitely I'd say have a bit, have a, have a word with the accountant. Yeah. So you wouldn't say the, uh, the failure to be a crusading king that was his great ambition? It wasn't his, wasn't his fault. And he and it adds to his story, uh, survives an assassination attempt. That's brilliant. Mm. Uh, does it? Go, I mean, he's got the stamp in his passport. He can always bring it no. out at uh, dinner parties. But um, yeah, it wasn't his fault, that one. Mm. Yeah, uh, money, I reckon. <laughs> yes. Speaking of the failures of Yes, good, good, good. Have you watched Outlaw King? Did you enjoy it? Oh, well, it's, it's really annoying that Netflix, for some reason, uh, when scheduling the release of uh, Outlaw King, the new film about Robert the Bruce, they didn't realise that Rex Factor was on tour and, indeed, that the episode where we were covering Robert the Bruce was actually just before uh, the day of release. So I'm not quite sure what went wrong there, but as a result, we've not, unfortunately, had a chance to watch it yet, but that's uh, something we're both looking forward to doing yeah, I when mean, we get back home. The plan was that we could... Uh, uh, snuggle up like Bert and Ernie in our hotel room <laughs> at the end and watch that and A Lion in Winter The Lion in Winter A Lion in Winter The Lion, the in, lion winter. in Winter uh, but unfortunately it's, well it's been not unfortunately it's been really great we've um, ended up having lots of drinks with lots of Rexpats fans so uh, we've just gone straight back to hotel but we next week next time we, we're, we're doing Mari, Mari's next aren't yeah, we yeah we need to do a special episode but yeah we so we, it we will be watching and mm. uh, we'd probably like to try and review it as well in official Rexpats capacity yeah. Mm. Who who has seen actually? Who has seen the new film? Oh, oh quite a new people. Any good? What? What? It's Chris, Is that Chris Pine, Pine in the oh. audience. Wow. <laughs> 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 a great Scottish accent, Everton. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, good. That's praise indeed. <laughs> so wh what were you what were you doing in the film? Uh, English soldier. Oh. <laughs> Bad luck. Did you did you survive? 
times ten. Oh right. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> that that was an unfortunate battle. Mm. <laughs> Any other questions? Hello. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'd love to. But uh, you, <laughs> I've got to go. Back, I've got to go back to work. Unfortunately, Graham <laughs> has uh, totally mistimed his holiday, his annual leave, so has no more days to take. So you're actually working from home. Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> And then going uh, going home in the evening. Yeah. Um, I've just... I, I don't know if you'd believe this, but I did a, a terrible admin error where driving up here, even just from Manchester, realised that it, it is a really long way. <laughs> and I'm unlikely to be able to do it all after tonight, tomorrow morning, uh, in one hit. So I might well end up staying around a bit and uh, <laughs> exploring a bit of Scotland and taking my time going back. So I'd like, have you got any suggestions of where we should go? In Glasgow, in Glasgow specifically, I'm going to try and hang around tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Buy from Rue's Coffee. We've done this. <laughs> okay, mm. all right, brilliant. If you want something in the city, um, Saint the Cathedral. All right. Saint Mungo's. Oh yeah, Saint Mungo. We did we did we do that? It rings a bell. Do I just know Saint Mungo? Maybe you just have heard of it. Mm. Good name. Mm. <laughs> A very prominent statue in Acropolis, uh, gentlemen overlooking all of Glasgow. Oh, cool. So you can guess who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an idea. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'll expect some Facebook photos of us at those places. Well, not you because you're working. Uh, <laughs> to me, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions there? Well, if there aren't, mm. uh, hang on. Don't worry. It's not what you think. Uh, <laughs> we're selling these uh, with our tour dates on the back um, I'm going to set up probably there so uh, feel free to come and ask us questions there Graham you're going to be up in the bar yeah I'll either mill here or I'll go up depending uh, on where people are yeah and then uh, we're just going to be based here so please please do hang around that, sorry that sounded quite desperate but <laughs> <laughs> please hang around uh, it would be lovely to meet as many of you as possible um, but Thank you so much for coming to support us. When we put uh, the idea of doing a tour out there, we thought, will anyone actually come, is it? But it's been so great to meet you all. And uh, thank you for supporting us all uh, for listening. And uh, if you sponsored us on the Kickstarter, do I mean sponsor, like backed us on the Kickstarter, thank you very much. But you're all wonderful people, and I want to meet you all. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you.